And welcome again to the Yes and I Am podcast, the podcast where we learn about people. I'm Aaron Max, and today's guest, I uh, I can't believe I finally got him on the show. He has been one of my personal heroes, one of the reasons I got into acting and comedy since I was a kid. I I, I have to thank you, man. Thank you for everything you've done. I'd like you all to meet Jim Carrey. How's it going, Jim? Hi, Jeff. How are you? Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Jeff? It's, uh, it's Aaron, actually. Roger that. R- Roger that. All right. Um, so, Jim, what's got you in New York today? Well, uh, as you know, I'm a painter, uh, and I'm uh, just in town doing a little bit of work, uh, just spray painting up a, a couple of, you know, CVS uh, walls, a couple of billboards. I'm Banksy is what I'm trying to say. You, you do, you're doing street art? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait, you're saying you are Banksy, like actually Banksy, or you you're inspired by Banksy? I never said that, Jeff. I uh, don't don't quote me on that. Okay, I don't I don't mean to take a very hostile tone to start off this podcast that you've invited me to do. But uh, and, uh, the, and all these allegations going around that I am in fact Banksy are utter hogwash. Okay, I'm just a simple man with a couple of paintbrushes and a dream. But you just admitted to d- defacing CVSs. Show me on the record where I said I, there is no proof that at any time I did anything of the sort. It was around like 30 seconds in just now. <laughs> well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree, pal. So are, other than defacing CVS pharmacies, what, what has you in New York these days? Well, uh, mainly arson these days. I'm coming around. Uh, the, New York City is probably... My favorite place in the entire world to burn down buildings, just for the sheer pleasure of it uh, that I derive. And it, I really get it. You know, I, I, was, uh, I was an actor for many years. I was involved in comedy. I was a producer of a television show. And now, uh, you know, I got into painting. I was uh, Banksy for a period of time. I was uh, vandalizing. Yet buildings. again, you just I'm said you're Banksy again. <laughs> wow, you are. <laughs> All righty then. You are just... I mean, Rick, you are just out of control right now. I don't even know where to begin. You are just... Uh, let's let's begin I don't mean to use the D word right off the... But this is defamation, okay? What you're doing right now is defamation. You are just... I, I really don't have, I don't have a, the amount of money to go through lawsuits right now. So let, we'll, we'll strike this from the record. We, 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 let's start... <laughs> let, let, let's uh, talk about uh, your beginnings, because you have had such a career... And uh, for the listeners out there that aren't as familiar with your work, I want to talk about it a little bit. You started your career, obviously, on Living Color in sketch comedy. Uh, you, you, like, that's where you start as, like, a hero of mine, actually, because, like, you, you play these outlandish characters, and that's kind of what butted into your film career. Uh, what do you feel like is your inspiration? Like you've been quoted on saying you used to just like stare into the mirror and like make faces at the mirror to like develop your character. Right. Oh, wow. You've, I mean, in spite of your defamation earlier, you've really done your homework. Uh, you've really done a terrific job. Yes, I did. That was part of my process. I would look into the mirror and that's where I would develop a lot of my, my, you know, beloved characters, my characters that I love to do. Um, goat boy, um, opera man. Wait, uh, uh, opera, Matt man. Foley, 
That was one that I liked to do in my old sketch comedy days. Gumby. Opera Man was. I wait, was wait, Gumby you, for a period of time. You weren't. You, you're, you're, these, these aren't your characters. These are other people's characters. Well, you know, they, they, with the mirror, it was just me and my reflection pal. I think I would know where these characters came about, okay? All righty then. See what I did. And then that's uh, that you're stealing my uh, intellectual property there. So I'm going to have to go ahead and file a lawsuit after we wrap up here. Oh, man. I cannot afford this. All right. So your first big role, because uh, you had some like movies, like you, you had Once Bitten was your first movie, but your first real. Tommy Boy. Yet again, yeah. Tommy Boy, not your work. That's Chris Farley. Mm, that was me. Yeah, that was me right there, Tommy Boy. Cr- One of my immortal characters. Chris Farley. Um, so, like, your, your first big role, though, is Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Mm-hmm. What was your thought process going into playing Ace Ventura? And, like, where did that all come from? Uh, well, that came about when I was going through a real Hawaiian shirt phase in my life. Uh, was not really thinking about comedy or art or arson or vandalism or any of these things that I've gotten into later in life. I was mainly focused on... Uh, just strutting around Hollywood Boulevard like a weirdo wearing a uh, Hawaiian shirt. And uh, I didn't even know the entire time that we were filming that a movie was even going on. I just confidently walked onto the Universal lot and I strutted around, walked into a soundstage. And, uh, you know, I don't remember a lot of what was happening, but then uh, next thing you know, I'm worth $20 million. Yeah, actually, speaking of what your uh, self-worth, you said that uh, in interviews that you like to practice visualization and that, like, getting into acting, you actually wrote yourself a check for $10 million just visualizing that one day you'll be worth that. And then when you did Ace Ventura, they wrote you a check for $10 million. Well, uh, when I was younger, that story about the check, that is how I thought money worked. Uh, I thought that you just wrote a number on a check, and then that's just what you get. So I figure, hey, I've got a checkbook. That's that's infinity money right there. I'm going to go ahead and write myself a check. And then I tried to cash the thing. And uh, you know, you, long story short, I was uh, escorted out in zip ties. But uh, That yeah. does not sound pleasant. But did you continue to practice visualization throughout your life, um, or, or did that experience kind of stop things for you? No, I continue the practice uh, from then on. Uh, yeah, that's been an integral part of um, all the stuff that I've done, you know, later in my career, even beyond acting, whether it's, uh, whether it's harpooning seals or, uh, or stealing cars. But, um, yeah, visualization is just a key element of whatever you're going to be successful at. You know, that's the, that's the first step, I've always uh, What advice could you give me in the realm of visualization? Like, what can I do to, like, further my career? Because it seemed to have worked for you. You got to start with the basics. What what do you want? What are your desires? So let's say the car that you want to steal is a 1997 Ford Taurus and Forest Green. You need to picture what are the, how are the headlights shaped? Is there is there an air freshener hanging from the rear view window? Uh, is it leather? Is it upholstery? How am I going to get into this thing? Am I going to use a crowbar? Am I going to use a Slim Jim? Am I going to have my boy... Rick, steal the car for me and then kill Rick. I don't know. You need to visualize and see how this whole thing is going to play out. So you're saying the key to visualization is specificity. I never said that. No, that is, uh, you're, now you're misquoting me there. Now that's not, that's not something that I would ever say. Oh boy, somebody stop me. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, that's, you know, tack that one onto the lawsuit there. We're going to have ourselves a little conversation with the lawyers. Uh, so... After Ace Ventura, you had a string of hits. You know, you had Dumb and Dumber. You had uh, The Mask. Yep. You had uh, Batman Forever, The Truman Show, Man on the Moon. It, it, it never stopped until the 2000s where your career kind of slowed down. What happened? Mm, that's right, Craig. I, uh, my career hit a little bit of a slowdown there when uh, the movie checks stopped, stopped coming. Um, well, that was partly... To, uh, in, because of a uh, a misguided passion, I, ha- I got. I mean, I told you I'm kind of a, a jack of all trades. I've been involved in a lot of different lines of work, but there was a period of time there in the early 2000s where it did get a little bit shady. Um, I did some things that I'm not proud of, and I'm not very willing to talk about. Um, okay, I'll, well, you know, yeah, please, that, like if you don't, no, I'll just come out and say it. All I'll right, come out and say it. Okay, I was. Um, I was a public school teacher for several years. Really? Uh, yeah, it is my... Re-he-he-ly. Oh, wow, okay. Well, so I'm trying to talk about my, my great shame here, Dave, and you're just uh, throwing out my catchphrases. But yeah, there, was a, there were a couple of years where, uh, you know, every single day I would walk into an underprivileged public school uh, in the inner cities, and I would... Um, oh, God, this is tough. I would instill children with the joy of learning. And uh, make them believe that they could do anything they set their minds to. So, yeah. That, I mean, it just really feels good to get that off my chest. So, do you think that your work with children and education uh, inspired future roles? Like, I know in the the TV show you're currently in on uh, Showtime, Kidding, you play, like, a uh, child performer. And that, like, it's kind of like a Mr. Rogers-esque character. Well, I believe uh, as an artist... Whatever your form or your art form is, whether it's stand-up comedy or acting or painting or arson or harpooning seals or, or whatever it may be, you need to stare into the depths of your darkest truths. And for me, that was reckoning with my experience as an educator and trying to forgive myself for doing such unspeakable things, such as instilling children with confidence. So I, became, I took on this character in, uh, in this Showtime program. Uh, subscribe now. I... Uh, I just wanted to confront that dark side of me. You know, this this man, this character, uh, allows children to explore the outer bounds of their creativity, and that's something uh, that was that was very difficult for me to deal with in the early two thousands. There, would you say this is one of the harder roles you've played? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, I mean, I would. Uh, I would wrestle a great white shark eleven times out of ten before I would do this ever again. Yeah. Wow, uh, it sounds like it's really tough. What are other tougher roles that you've played that you feel like the audience may not know how much work went into? Because you did the role of Andy Kaufman on Man and the Moon, mm. and then you actually made a documentary about how hard that role was for you. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was a real hoot. That was on the heels of the Hawaiian shirt phase, didn't really know who I was. And uh, for, uh, for a bit there... Well, what I was really trying to do there was capture the essence of one of my favorite comedians of all time, Richard Pryor. And uh, I had a camera following me around. And uh, yeah, I got to say, I did such a terrible job of capturing, capturing Richard Pryor's essence. It came out exactly like Andy Kaufman. So oh. that's what happened there. But like other films that like have ha- you've had a hard time with, what, what would they be? 
U571, I would say, would be one of the more difficult ones. Uh, Crimson Tide was also difficult. Uh, really, anything where I'm in a submarine, uh, Das Boat, Das Boat I was in, the back, uh, that was one of my earlier works. Uh, you were in none of these films. I was. I was in the background there, uh, slinking around. But see, the problem is I'm very tall. Those submarines are not designed for a taller man. And I was down there. Great, great barometric pressures down underneath the ocean. And uh, it was very difficult, I got to say. I think um, in, in Crimson Tide, you could argue that uh, my confidence shrunk so much that I was even upstaged by Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman. You could argue that they actually had a bigger role in the film than I did. So yeah, that was a, that was a difficult one for me. Any of the submarine movies? What about like if, movies you've starred in? Is there any ones that like have had mm. you, you've had a tougher time like I know uh you you've talked about how the makeup process for doing how the Grinch stole Christmas was like such a taxing process? Arduous, difficult, not fun. I would say that uh, the experience of becoming the Grinch pales in comparison to the difficulty of being Forrest Gump. Uh, Forrest Gump was a very challenging starring role for me. Uh, that was Tom Hanks. 18 hours in makeup every single day. That was the, that was the hardest part. Uh, well, what a lot of people don't know is that I actually shot an exact shot-for-shot shot remake of Forrest Gump by myself with my own money on 35mm film with me in the title role, and uh, just exactly the same, only I worked in a lot of other catchphrases from previous movies that I've done, such as, Somebody stop me! And, Do not go in there! And, You can't handle the truth! And, uh, and show me the money and things like that. So some of those were your catchphrases. Some of those were uh, like those are all me, 100% yeah, me. Jack Nicholson is you can't handle the truth. So. Yeah, again, defamation. Show me the money is Tom Cruise. We're going to get to the bottom of this defamation suit, I guarantee you. Uh, I, I'm sure you... you uh, all right, I'm going to like address the elephant in the room because you, you've had quite a few lawsuits you've gone through, mm-hmm. you know, um, whether it be like, you, you the know... The Enron pe- thing, yeah, that was a big one. That or, was a tough one. Uh, you know, people like uh, having issues with your stance on, uh, vaccinations. Sure. Yeah. Or like prescription drugs. Like, Hmm. yes, it was my family that, uh, invented oxycodone and distributed to uh, doctors across the country and became responsible for the opioid crisis. Kind of a bummer. Subject change. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Uh, okay. Uh, you, that, that was not what I was referring to, but, um, if you want to quickly talk to us about your stance on vaccinations, you have like 20 seconds. Go ahead. Now, this is a subject where I've really been misquoted quite a bit. People think that I'm against the vaccinations. Really? Not a big fan of needles. That's the main thing for me. I just, I don't like the ouchies. I don't like a needle stuck into my arm. That's my arm. I need it for throwing and grabbing and things like that. Stop sticking things in. And now if you could just, if we could get these vaccines to be in the form of a gummy or a chewable or something flavorful and that, I'd be on board for that 3,000%. Oh, well, see, this this is a lot. It's just a mixed message, you know. You you just want things to feel nicer. You don't want no medication and the measles to come back. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't want anyone to How get How do you measles. feel about the measles coming back because of anti-vaccination people? I, you know, that's something that bothers me because that's just uh, infecting a number of people who are getting uh, very, very sick, too sick to go see me in any of my films like U571 or uh, My Fair Lady. You know, these are 
Was my fair lady even made into a film? Well, of course. I just said I was in it. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, That's about all the evidence evidence that you need. All right. Well, the next thing I want to talk about is your upcoming role in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, where you are playing Dr. Eggman slash Robotnik. How has that process been? I, I know video game movies catch a lot of flack because there's like a common Hollywood trope of like, you can never make a good video game movie. How is Sonic going to be different? Well, people malign the video game movie as a failed genre, but uh, to those people I say, go see the Zelda Ocarina of Time movie. That's a fantastic film. Go see the Pac-Man movie. Okay, these are terrific. That was directed by Francis Ford Coppola in 1981. Uh, It's a masterpiece. So I don't know what people are talking about there, but for this film, I'm very excited about the role of Dr. Robotnik. I prepared for this role by playing hours and hours and hours and hours of ping pong against myself. And uh, that's when I, you know, tapped in. That's when the character Robotnik revealed himself to me was after spending so much time with a ping pong ball and paddle, just getting familiar with the game. So you didn't actually play Sonic the Hedgehog. You just No, played. I don't know why I would do that. I don't think that makes any sense to me at all. I think I would prepare in a more are uh, rational fam- way. Are you, you know? familiar with the source material at all? Uh, no, no. From what I understand, uh, he's some kind of... Uh, uh, Dr. Robotnik and the the Sonic uh, dichotomy. They're they're pitched in battle over uh, over some kind of uh, magic tennis ball. Yeah, I was about to say, for our listeners out there, uh, this film is, like, the main character of Sonic the Hedgehog is completely animated, so you didn't even get to, like, see anything as you were portraying your character. Well, I think a few people would describe me as pretty animated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you are. uh... Are you all right? (sighs) What was your name again? Aaron. Jeff. Great to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. All righty. Um, well, we've reached part... Yeah, I know what I did right there. I, I stopped myself. I didn't say all righty then. I just said all righty. Defamation lawsuit coming your way. Okay. Well, we've reached the part of the show where we like to do a few speed rounds. We play a couple games on this show. The first game we like to play is Fuck, Mary Kill. Basically, I'm going to tell you... Yes! All right. Well, There's I, your answer right there, pal. I'm going to give you three names. You tell me which category each name Fuck goes Mary into. Kill, more like me, myself, and Irene. Another That's a movie one. I saw once. Don't know who was starting it, but it, I thought it was terrific. That was one of your films. All right. So the first name is Adam Sandler. Second name, Ben Stiller. Third name, Jack Black. <laughs> I just love Jack Black, as you could tell from that impression that I just did right there. Uh, just channel Jack Black real quick. Love myself some Jack Black. Uh, who else? Oh, gosh, that's like trying to choose fuck, marry, kill between my sons. I don't know who to fuck, marry, or you kill. You don't have any sons. Uh, well, you know, that's uh, your opinion. Uh, that's my Ben Stiller. Let's see there. I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to kill the old... Uh, I'm going to kill the old Sandman there. I think his body of work stands alone. It's good. He's all set. I also think he'd be the easiest to kill of the three. He's a very accommodating fellow. Probably wouldn't put up too much of a fight. Then I'm going to go ahead. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make sweet, sweet love to Ben Stiller. Uh, Who could resist him in, uh, in uh, the, the, Parents trilogy, meet the parent, meet the parents, meet the Fockers and meet the Seinfelds, the third one that they did. Okay. Um, 
he was irresistible. But also, I choose uh, to make love to Ben Stiller because I don't think I could handle Jack Black. Okay, I think uh, I'd have to just get into an, uh, a marriage of convenience with him because the lovemaking would be too powerful. He's a dyna- dynamic performer. He is a very dynamic performer. All right, so the next game we like to play here is a little bit of word association. Basically, I'm going to say a word, and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. First word, funny. All righty then. Stand up. Pass. Sketch. Stand up. Improv. As you can see, I'm not very comfortable making things up on the spot. Uh, rehearsal. No. Camp. Da- David. Cartoon. Network. Impression. Depression. Comedy. Tragedy. And visualization. Never done it. All right. Well, that's about all we have time for today, Jim. Thank you again for coming out here to the show. Is there anything you want to say to our listeners before you head out? Just, uh... Uh, I just, uh, nothing, I don't care about the listeners at all. I just wanted to say um, thank you, Marie, for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you again for coming. And thank you all for listening. And we will see you all next time. again for listening to the yes and i am podcast this podcast has been completely improvised so instead of having the actual jim carrey here with us today has been my buddy jp mcdade how's it going man hey good thanks for having me so uh jim carrey i'm sure all your listeners were totally convinced that was the real jim carrey of course you know (laughs) dead on um (laughs) jim carrey definitely thinks he was in (laughs) u571 The I, Widowmaker. I, I think he would have vastly improved that film. I've not nothing against it, but I think any submarine movie would be made better with Jim Carrey. Um, yeah, no, it is <laughs> some strong choices. <laughs> I, I wish we had uh, leaned a little more into the Banksy thing. <laughs> yeah, I kind of glossed over the fact that I was Banksy there. Yeah, yeah, no, I was just like, he's Banksy and he defaces CVS pharmacies. I was like, oh, there's something good there. But you were just worried about the defamation lawsuit because yeah. he was uh, Jim Carrey that, uh, you know, very litigious. As yeah, the, yeah. As well, known. well, okay, so when I was doing my research, like, there was some, like, sketchy stuff about Jim Carrey. It made me, like, it killed my hero for me a little bit. Yeah. Um, he had, like, a, a girlfriend, actually, that, like, committed suicide over, like, through that, yeah. pharmaceuticals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the, the girl's family, like, sued him, saying that, like, it was through her relationship with him. Even though, like, she it was, like, five years after their relationship and she had gotten married and such when, like, she took her own life, they had, like, said, like, her relationship with him, like, is why she committed suicide. <laughs> okay. That's but, like, <laughs> that's so, like... And, like, they, there was, like, multiple lawsuits, and it was, like, a huge yeah. deal, and I, I, I guess I'd never heard about this. And I was just like, ooh, ugh. Yeah, it seems like a complex one. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that it was five years after they had been in a relationship. Yeah. I was like... That's yeah, she was, like, married to some dude and stuff. But he was, like, at her funeral and, like, was, like, a pallbearer at her funeral really? and stuff. So it seemed like he, like, liter- legitimately cared about this person. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just so. unfortunate that, like, this person died through drug addiction and mm-hmm. stuff. And, like, 
Ugh. It was depressing. And I was like, oh, I hope this does not, this is not the territory the podcast goes into. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, no, and it's like also really like all the that. anti-vaxxer stuff. And he right. like, truly believes that uh, the uh, measles, uh, mumps, rubella vaccine causes autism. Yeah. Which is stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I kind of would have killed the pot if I went on a long tirade against vaccines. Uh, as much as I may believe that they do cause autism, I did not say that. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> You've heard it here first. J. I, don't agree. I, just, I just walk out. J.P. McDade, an actual anti-vaxxer. Known anti-vaxxer. Follow me on Instagram. He, he'll post his <laughs> anti-vaccine memes and about how... Um, the memes are good. Yeah, no, I mean... I that, just followed a Mormon meme page. It's great. Really? <laughs> it's really a lot of fun. Oh, like, is, is there actual, like, jokes? Or is it yeah, just, like, the jokes, lamest like, jokes ever? They're jokes, but it's, like, the most wholesome thing you've ever seen in your life. It's, like, a, a Jesus... Like, the Drake meme where he's, like, pointing at something and then, yeah. like, uh, not this, but I like this. And it's Jesus's face photoshopped over Drake. And it was like when Infinity War came out, and it's like, Infinity War, no thanks. And then it says Infinity Peace, and he's like, yeah. Oh, that's kind of like, adorable. This rules. <laughs> Give this to me every but day. But are Mormons not allowed to watch your Avengers movies? I think, uh, I think they're just opposed. I think they're just pacifists. I don't know. I don't think they're pacifists. Like, because they, like, worship Mitt Romney, who's definitely okay. not a pacifist. Yeah, he's uh, he's been waging the war against... Uh, human emotions for oh, his entire life. politics are shit um but jim carrey what has been your personal experience with jim carrey and uh such he was like the first uh comedy star who i w- was like obsessed with because i guess he he got huge in movies at least in the mid 90s i never uh and when i was a little kid like ace matura came out and that was like my favorite movie for a oh, while it's the same here that came out in 1994 yeah Shit. So I was uh, I was five then, and then yeah, like all the movies you mentioned, Mask, the, not Mask, The Mask. Uh, yeah, Mask <laughs> is a very different, film. very different movie. But um, also, why do they do that to us? Like, there, there's a yeah. movie called Avengers, and and it's a completely different movie than The Avengers. It was like came yeah. out in the nineties, and same, but they like, must be getting so many more The Mask and Mask now. came out fairly like within ten years of each other. Yeah, and like was... they didn't think like. Hmm. I'd be like if they made a movie called Field Dreams. That's like <laughs> just a little bit too gross. And it's just someone who like has like falls asleep in like landing strips of like There's no airports. dialogue. Yeah. They're just like dreaming. There's a guy sleeping. But Jim Carrey, he was the man. And then uh I, I loved all his movies and then like I kind of grew up a little bit with him where um when did Cable Guy come out? The Cable Guy oh. was on TV. Yeah, we didn't talk about that enough. Oh, like, that's kind of why I was like, ooh, Ben Stiller. Because Ben Stiller, that was his directorial debut. And Jack the Black. Yeah. yeah. They're all in that shit. It's like a very underrated film. Yeah, I love that movie. I was like scared of it at first when I saw it when I was like 12. And it's like, oh, this is dark. This is really like free- bumming me out. But yeah, I it's, saw it years it's later, creepy. Like, oh, this movie is amazing. I mean, uh for me, Jim Carrey's in my favorite film of all time, which is The Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. Oh, man, that's one of the big ones that I haven't seen. It's oh. like a movie that people love. And it it is just so well written. Yeah. And, like, it's kind of timeless. Yeah. Uh, and the cast is just insane. Mm-hmm. Like, especially of the, of the time, because it came out in 2004. Yeah. But, like, everyone in the cast is, like, huge. Just freaking Elijah Wood, Mark Ruffalo, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. 
um, Kate Winslet, you know, it's 2004. That was like peak Dunst too. That was like yeah, the age of Dunst. That was like Spider-Man Dunst. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like that was before Mark Ruffalo was as huge as he is today. Right. Before and the like Marvel movies and stuff. Yeah. It's like, uh, like at the time it was like, who's this schlubby guy? Yeah. And like little did we know that this schlubby guy is going to be in everything in the next it's 10 gonna years. going to be the Hulk. Yeah. The schlubby Hulk. But yeah, that was when, I guess that was when Jim Carrey like first went dark and kind of dramatic, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Truman Show might be Truman the first Show. like dark sure. thing because like that was the I first thing he was like nominated for. I think he won a Golden Globe actually for the Truman Show. Yeah. Truman Show, Me, Myself, and Irene, Cable Guy. Yeah. He had a lot of really dark. Man on comments. the Moon. Man on the Moon. Uh, yeah, that uh, well, do you know the story about how he got men on the moon? No, I don't. Stealing from some, I haven't. I haven't watched Jim and Andy, but I'm sure they they say it in that doc. I don't think they even do, which is weird. But uh, they might actually, whatever. But um, Nicholas Cage was going to be Andy Kaufman. It was done. Like it was decided. That's so weird because he's so old at that point. Uh, when was that? Late nineties. Yeah. Yeah, was, I think he, was, he might have been a little bit. Well, there was there was some no, age. Wait, who? Jack Nicholson? Nicholas Cage. Oh, Nicholas Cage. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I like in my yeah, head. It's me, Andy Kaufman. I'm no, a yeah. weirdo. <laughs> yeah. do I don't know why right? in my head. Like I, when you said <laughs> Nicholas Cage. I thought <laughs> I was like, Jack Nicholson. Nichols? No, in my head I was just like, here's Latka. <laughs> <laughs> um, just a gritty, mean Andy. Kaufman. I'm, I'm trying to think. Like Nicholas Cage might be okay in that role. He might have been okay, and but that's the thing. And it was like decided. It was uh, who's who's the director of Man on the Moon? Oh. Euro- European guy. I forget his yeah, name. Yeah, I can't remember. Milos Forman. Yeah, and he. Uh, it, it was decided. It was done. They were going to make the movie with Nicholas Cage, and, uh, and I think this is like post Nicholas Cage winning his Oscar too. It might have been. Yeah, for yeah, leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. Right. And he, um, uh, Jim Carrey was so obsessed with Andy Kaufman. He's like, no, I'm Andy Kaufman. I have to do this. There's no way they're making a movie about Andy Kaufman and it's not me. So what he did was he went, uh, no, he called, he called up Milos Forman, like he pestered him for a really long time, got him to come out to his house. By then he was already successful. He had a mansion with a movie theater. Of course. He had, I think it was Milos Forman and he had sat him down. He like pretended to be a ticket taker in his own creepy weird movie theater and it's like he's in character as a ticket taker and he like sits down Milos Forman in front of the screen plays this film for him it's uh it's Andy Kaufman doing a monologue on the SNL stage but he slowly realizes it's not Andy Kaufman it's Jim Carrey in costume as Andy Kaufman on film recorded at SNL he went to Studio 8H recorded himself on film and just like nailed Andy Kaufman so well that he thought it was him and he played it for him and uh, he's like oh yeah you've got the part that's insane but yeah. that's that's kind of like his visualization yeah, thing that's like he oh my god that's Jim Carrey in a nutshell I, I wish there's depressing stuff about him like what wasn't around because he is so immensely talented yeah he's he's maybe the most I mean he's at least on the Mount Rushmore of like the most talented people ever to do comedy I think like, and it's insane because like he he's just made some bad choices in like roles to accept. Yeah, and and uh, and the stuff outside of movies. I mean, I don't know. Uh, we only know so much about like of course. what's going on with that. But it's like uh, I mean, I we know that like he's been public about like suffering from like depression and sure. stuff, and like yeah, being kind <laughs> of a recluse. Yeah. Uh, the paintings aren't great, but he, uh, <laughs> you, uh, I, did you watch that like thing he had about like 
you know, I'm just not religious. I just believe in faith. Sure. And it, like, I think he, it, was that like it, comedians in cars or something? No, no. This is like when, when he was doing his giant paintings of like his, because he does these like uh, black light paintings. Yeah. I think you can get to a level of fame and recognition where people will just stop saying no to you and like just completely foster your worst ideas and then things will come to fruition. And that's how they made the but, number 23. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't see that one. But he's like, so it, it, from in living color and everything, like no one has ever committed to a comedic character more. Like when I was doing Jim Carrey just there, I was only committing like 40%. I didn't have the the courage to go all the way. Like Jim Carrey, everything he did was like 300% Jim Carrey. Yeah, I mean, who else is going to like talk with their butt? (laughs) Also, when I was doing like the Fuck, Mary Kill, like the other three comedians that I named are like the other three comedians that would go there. Yeah. Like Jack Black, Adam Sandler. Yeah. Like Jack Black's one of my all time. If if I met him, I would freak out. Same here. And like... On all accounts, Jack Black, good person. Yeah. Like, there, there's nothing, like, so far, I mean, dated, uh, <laughs> what is it, June 4th today? Yeah. Note oh. the time. We're, hold, we're holding up newspapers right now. The listeners can't exactly. see Exactly. Proof of life. Um, but Jack Black is, like, he, he's another one that's, like, uh, to get someone to do the impression of him on this podcast is, like, because, yes. like, the movie School of Rock was one of the most, like, influential movies of my life. Like, Unbelievable. Just, like, that's, like, someone completely owning a leading role. Right. And I really honestly think he has one of the best singing voices in the history of rock and roll. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he's, his range D. is nuts. Incredible. And I saw them live a few years ago. I saw Tenacious, Tenacious D live. They were just unbelievable. They are so good. I was fully prepared for them to be just, like, mailing it in, doing their funny songs. They were just, like, performing the but hell it, That was what he was doing before he was acting, though. Yeah. Like, like, he did some, like, acting as a kid and stuff. He but then like ending story. He was in, uh, I think it was in the movie Rad or something. He was in one of those like uh-huh. kids skating movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the of the Gleaming the Cube type of movies. Yeah. Lords of Dogtown. But like before he did like High Fidelity, he was in Tenacious D, yeah. which is insane. Mm-hmm. They had the TV show, Tenacious yeah. D, like early 2000s, I want to say. It was so good. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like that level of commitment to physical comedy and to like completely just be like, no, I'm this right now and yeah. I'm not gonna be like completely outside my body. I'm just let it take over. Like when you, when you said Jim Carrey at the beginning of the podcast, I was like, all right, I'll do, I'll, you know, I'll <laughs> no, I, 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 I like for the listeners out there, I completely warned you. I'm like, this one is hard. <laughs> yeah. That was for sure a hard one. But I figured if I if I just move my mouth a lot and I kind of have this rhythmic intonation into everything I say, then that'll kind of, of give course. the impression of yeah, Jim no, Carrey. And, but. and, like, there's fun little bits, like, you, you like, forgetting my name. Like, I feel like that's so classic, like, Jim Carrey. Yeah. He's like, he, he strikes me as a guy who's, like, not even there. No, of course. Talk to him, so. uh, I, I just, like... I, I'm glad it was like almost 90s Jim Carrey I was running into and not today Jim Carrey because <laughs> yeah. I feel like J- today Jim Carrey would just be talking like this. And, uh, I just want to I just want to do a meditation on thinking, like that's the kind of yeah. Nice. And it's just like, <laughs> you know what? I'd probably still be pretty psyched to meet you today Jim Carrey. No, of course <laughs> I would too. I'd have so many questions. Yeah, he like I even enjoy I enjoy I'm dying up here that he produces the. the I, I didn't watch it. I heard it was really good though. Years. It's like a little bit campy, a little bit over the top, and they, you know, some of the had a great cast. Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoy it. I think it it gets panned by the critics, uh, but I I mean, people love kidding. 
Like yeah. it got nominated for a Golden Globe or yeah. a few Golden Globes actually. That's cool. I've never seen it. Um, I, I watched the first episode, got real depressed and stopped <laughs> watching. Yeah. Cause it, it like for a spo- little bit of spoilers, but it's the first episode. It's about uh, this guy who had twins and one of them died in a car accident. Okay. Um, that like he wasn't driving the car. It was like his wife. He shot at it with an RPG from a mountain and blew it up, and that's how he killed his twin. And then no, it was just a car accident. There. Just real bummer stuff. <laughs> uh, but it's produced by Michelle Gondry, who's the director of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, cool. So it's them reuniting, and it's like very like fantastical and stuff. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very cool concept. It's just like. Too sad for me. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, well, sometimes it's just like I'll I'll be watching a comedy thing and I'm like, oh, this is fun, and then just it gets into bummer town, and sure. I'm like, oh. Even if I'm watching a drama, it can get if it steers into that even darker direction. Like I, I've been watching Chernobyl, and I oh, watched yeah. the first three episodes. I'm like, oh, the show is great. I mean, it's grim, it's dark, it's mm-hmm. very sad and scary. But then the fourth episode. Uh, close your ears for the next 10 seconds if you don't want to hear a spoiler but it's like an hour of a guy shooting dogs it's just shooting dogs it's like whoa this is taking a turn this, I mean, this is how i got with the show barry i i, I like watched the like first barry. five episodes yeah and i was like oh this is so much fun and it then it grim. just gets it takes a turn and it's just like that show rips your heart out but that's probably my favorite show that i've seen in the last like several years I've loved it's very it. I good but it just it makes off. me I'm yeah. like this is giving me like problems right It'll make now. you stir for sure because it's a show about how a guy becomes a bad person and like what it's like to be a bad person it's like yeah it's, it, the genius of that show is like i have to keep uh like pinching myself and be like oh yeah this guy is horrible but i'm like rooting for him and i love this guy it's like this is so it, it's such a complex character and that, like, that said bill Hader, i think it was the closest we have to like jim carrey back then was yeah bill Hader today yeah, he doesn't. Uh, he's kind of got a rubber face, and he can like do such a broad range of characters. He's not quite as high energy, but I love like Bill. But Hader's he a genius. fully commits. He fully commits. Yeah, like, and like what he's Fideci. doing in Barry. Yeah, like that very specific like disconnected character. Yeah, is like insane. Like I, I can't imagine accessing like, that level of rage in the parts where he flips out, and then like all the parts where he is doing bad acting, mm-hmm. like as Barry, like. Someone tells him something that he already knows, and he goes, oh, no. Like, those parts are brilliant. It's but, so, like, he also has, so. like, this level of, like, psychosis he can, yeah. like, achieve. It's, it's nuts. It makes me, like, want to try harder as an yeah, actor. Exactly. It's tr- it's truly crazy that one guy is Vinny Vedecci and Barry Block. <laughs> yeah. And Barry Berkman. Oh, boy. Anyways, we, uh, so, JP, you are an, uh, comedian, uh, uh, extraordinary, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you uh, do a lot of stuff. <laughs> you make you make a lot of jokes. You do I mean, some impressions. Walking you, masterpiece, genius, voice of a generation. Whatever you want to say. I'm a multi hyphenate in that sense. You do funny stuff. <laughs> uh, for our listeners out there, uh, let us know a little bit of what, what you do these days. Uh, I'm I'm a stand up. Uh, stand up comedy is my main bag. I'll I'll do a little bit of uh, sketch and acting and stuff and and writing, but I'm primarily a stand up. I have a show. Every week, every Thursday at Lucky Jack's called Too Many Cooks. It's a free show. It's at 9 o'clock. We get really, really good lineups. That's like my kind of my home home base for stand-up. And I perform all over the city. I'll, I'll be at Caroline's every now and then. I'll be at Stand Up New York every now and then, occasionally New York Comedy Club. But mostly just uh, at an alt show near you, just wherever. Like, But, yeah, I, um, I got into stand-up like six years ago now. I had moved to New York for a job, and then... A couple of my friends encouraged me to do it. Started doing open mics. Never really looked back. 
just like fell in love with it kept doing it done a couple little tv things here and there done some oh, writing but, some tv you know, things you know i'm just i'm uh, just pull up my imdb real yeah quick. yeah <laughs> like <laughs> i'm sorry i don't have a list of your credits yeah i was on CISO. okay so you're oh boy with a guy that's been on CISO. Yeah. am i talking to one of the mcelroy brothers right now <laughs> you're talking to one of the biggest heavy hitters in it. yeah rory mcelroy rory mcelroy <laughs> this is a tennis player golf golf <laughs> Uh, no, that's all I knew about CISO. I had a CISO subscription just so I could watch my brother, my brother and me's like TV show that had like six episodes. I thought you were saying my brother and me, the TV show from Nickelodeon in the nineties. Like they had my brother and me on CISO. Was that the one with cousin? No, that was cousin Skeeter's. No, the, cousin the, Skeeter. uh, Alfie goo. <laughs> the kids they're you know wow well, i do not remember you don't this. remember my brother and me you gotta okay i pull no, up no, CISO the, right now the, <laughs> wait it's on CISO, but it was on nickelodeon no it was on nickelodeon in the 90s but but yeah um so you have a show at lucky jacks um yep. you do comedy around the c- mm-hmm. city um if our listeners wanted to follow you and find out more of your dates and details where could they find that stuff best place to go is probably twitter at jp underscore mcdade mcdade um i post all my stuff about shows and random musings there and that also links to my instagram my instagram is mcdade baby uh between those i mean i have a website but i don't really update it anymore neither anything. do I. it's just <laughs> sitting there thank you squarespace um, i love you but I yeah no my, my my website it looks nice but like you know I, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's really just links to you know stuff going on uh if you want to see jp's instagram i'll post a pic of him and me on our instagram which is at yes and i am can go find there and uh, find pictures of our guests and uh, links to their stuff. Uh, thank you all for listening again, and we will see you all next time. 